Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and even though you are out of sync with the live show, nevertheless, you're going to enjoy a great show with Lyle and... Monron this morning, Lyle. Uh, Mo- Monron. So the moron is back, right? <laughs> Mon the moron. The moron <laughs> is in the house. Yeah. Okay, so what did you do with it? was moronic this morning, Mon. Oh, Lyle, let me just start out by saying I am so grateful for clothes this morning, my clothes. <laughs> yes, we are all grateful for clothes this morning. One of those things to be thankful for in our world. Okay, so as you know, I'm actually moving house this week and I have to be out by Sunday. And so I've been packing up everything and... Uh, just kind of slipped my mind what I might need for the rest of the week. And so yesterday I packed up all my clothes. So this morning I got and, out of the shower. And sh- shipped them away, right? Shipped them away. <laughs> so this morning I got out of the, the shower, opened the cupboard door, and there's literally nothing to wear. <laughs> I had a bit of a panic attack. I was like, I can't put my sweaty gym clothes back on. Uh, thankfully, I had a little I had a little suitcase pile in the, in the corner where I've been sort of haphazardly just throwing things I'm going to probably need for Africa. And I managed out of that pile to pull an entire outfit. Fit, which you'll probably so see me wear a, a every day. Of, a couple of weeks here in Australia, two months in Africa. Yeah, I'm seeing you wearing the same outfit <laughs> yeah. for three months. You're going to get home to Australia <sighs> and burn this outfit. Yeah, oh yeah, you yeah. Never yeah. want to see that again. I'm going to make something happen for Africa, but for the rest of this week, is it's looking pretty dire. <laughs> <laughs> what are you grateful for this morning? Glue. Glue? What? Glue. Come on now, dude. You, you and your man stuff. No, glue is awesome. I was using PVC glue, gluing PVC pipe. It's the best because you've got two parts to it. You know, you've got your solvent that just sort of cleans it, and then you put your glue on, and you squeeze it together, and it's done, and you get this satisfying feeling yeah. of accomplishment it's because true. you've got all these pieces, and it's so much fun with PVC pipe when you have lots and lots of different pieces to go together, and I glued one piece together that was wrong yesterday, and uh, I, as I'm squeezing together, I'm like, oh, no, this is wrong, and so I'm trying to pull it apart, pull it apart, pull it apart, and it's not coming, and I got all my strength on it, and it's not moving, and so then I got the Stilsons on it, and you know, the big lever, and I managed to pull it apart just. I I have no idea what a Stilson is, but I'm very surprised to see that glue is that strong. Oh, it's incredible. I could not believe, because as as I started to twist it, I could feel it moving, but it was getting harder and harder and harder as I'm moving it, and then I got the Stilsons onto it, and and like a lever, you know. Um, you know, 500 millimetres long, mm-hmm. and it's still just in, getting incredibly hard to turn. I really enjoy using those glues where it's like two ingredients and you have to stick them together. Is it called epoxy or aerodite or something? Yeah, where epoxy like, and aerodite. You have two tubes, like two different uh-huh. tubes, and they come together. One's the glue, one's the hardener. It just boggles my mind how glue even works. What are Science. the ingredients Science. that it stays gooey the whole time horses. until it, mm. until what it like reaches? <laughs> The glue factory, Lyle South. It's actually literally a thing, you know. Let's not talk about that. This this has been a pretty disgusting show as it is. We talk about so many gross, horrific, horrid things. I literally couldn't finish my breakfast mango all the way through our show. Anyway, coming up today, we have- That was a great ad for the show. Yeah, yeah stick around. You're going to lose your appetite. <laughs> we do have some serious things to discuss. We do have some good news to discuss as well, but stay around. Show's going to kick off now. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. 
You're listening to Jaden Levick there with Amazing Grace here on Faith FM. And as we begin the day, let's kick it off with a clue for our quiz. Mon, what have you got for us? Yes, this morning I have a special quiz. Uh, it is a uh, what book am I quiz? So guessing which book of the Bible this is. So 1 out of 66, that narrows it down considerably. What book am I? First clue, the word grace is found most often in this book of the Bible. The word grace. Mm, I do not know the answer oh, to that. Oh, good, good. Do you know what? I'm going to do the most amazing thing. I'm going to offer up triple prize this morning. Triple prize. If you can call me can and tell me. Can I have a stab? Me, no. If you I'm going to have a stab. Write it down. Wait, 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 finish talking. If you can call me and tell me the answer to the quiz, you can get it right. You can get it right before Lyle. And you can tell me actually how many times the word grace is in this book and get that correct as well. I'll give you triple prizes. Okay, now only double prizes because Lyle just got it right. So if you can tell me what book it's in and you can tell me how many times the word grace is found in this, I'll give you two prizes. My advice would be go with your gut. Your gut as to how many times the word mm, grace is in it. Mm, now that you know the answer, Lyle, how many times do you think the word grace is in this oh, book? Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I can tell that's you how right. many times in the entire Bible grace is mentioned 128 times. Oh, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. So it's less than 128 in this book alone. Let's just yes. let that known. Okay, so yeah, so two, two prizes available today. One if you get the book correct, one if you get the number of uh, times the word grace is in it. And, Guess uh, which book of the Bible is the first book to mention grace? Uh, is it? Mm, it's not the, the. This book is not the answer to the clue. Is it uh, Matthew? No. Uh, Genesis. Oh, why did I think it was going to? be? <laughs> oh, I, my first thought, of course, it's Genesis. But I'm like, no, he's trying to trick me. It's going to be like Matthew. <laughs> I should have gone with my gut. Darn you it! Gone with the gut. I yeah. keep telling you, go okay. with the gut. Okay. <laughs> go with the gut on this one. Have a stab, guys. One eight hundred three two four eight four three is the number, and you will probably get it right. Yeah. I did. But you know what? Even if you don't know the number of times it's, it has the word grace in it, just call anyway and win at least one prize. So yeah. Give us a call. Lyle, mm. so this morning, I just want to ask you, right, when you have to sit some sort of an exam or a test, do you get that thing where you get really nervous and you sort of freak out, you know, palm sweaty, heart palpitations, and then you sort of – do you like ever like freeze up on an exam? No. I don't really? like exams. I've never frozen uh-huh. up. I've not, never got sweaty palms. Uh, a little bit of a um, – yeah, definitely a that little bit of a – Sickly kind of feeling in the gut somewhere, you know. Yeah, yeah. What, what about just, like just um, nervousness? What like, about like driving yeah. exams or, or interviews? You know, when there's another person present and it's like performance. Yeah, I always well. get a, I always get a little bit, uh, a slightly elevated dose of adrenaline. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't mind exams either. For me, it's like a way of like sometimes. Yeah, sometimes I actually enjoy exams. If yes, I, if yeah. I know the material, I, I actually just, really, yeah. really enjoy mm-hmm, exams. Same. Like blasting through, like yep, mm-hmm. yep, yep, mm-hmm. yep, 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 got that, nailed that. Yeah, it's like, like reward based. Right? Yeah. For me, I feel like it's almost like a way of like emptying out my brain on the page and then sticking away. Like, okay, that chapter of my life is done with now. <laughs> I had all this information in my head. Now I can get rid of it. Make but if some you know, space. If, if you, well, for 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 a guy, if you actually know the material, it's just fantastic for your ego. Yeah, that, yeah, I can Sit imagine. Sit there and it's just I like, I imagine. am going to show this teacher. <laughs> Is that how it works? Huh? Oh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, now, uh, Job unfortunately, interviews? unfortunately, 
most of the time I don't have that experience. But sometimes I have, and it was just it was awesome. You know, yeah, you just get like yeah. A high. I don't mind doing like paper exams, written exams, with just you and the paper, and like you know, sure other kids in the classroom, but it's like no one's particularly watching you. I freeze up in interviews for jobs that I really want. If I don't want the job and I'm just like whatever, I don't care if I get this or not, then I really ace it because I'm not stressed at all. But if I want the job, my brain just totally shuts down, and I say the most stupid things, and I come across as a total <laughs> moron. Like the monron comes out. Yeah, the monron comes out to play. <laughs> and it's uh, very awkward. I had the same experience when I did my driving exam. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, I would class myself as a pretty good driver. I mean, I am German. It is like playing tennis with the net down, I have to admit. But <laughs> I, I class myself as a pretty good driver. And my driving teacher, he did tell me that he was so comfortable with me driving that he would he would just fall asleep in the car. And, um, you know, usually they're like on their edge because, you know, they've got like L-plater mm-hmm. running stoplights and stuff. And they've always got their foot on that extra brake they have on their side. Um <laughs> but when it came to exam time, I would just freeze up and uh, and I would fail because I would just, just completely like just brain block and I failed it four times. Oh, yeah. Oh, and oh, I was an oh, excellent driver the whole time. I just I just couldn't do the exam. Uh, I Eventually, I got to the point where like I psyched myself up by saying I didn't care. So, I actually psyched myself down. Yeah. I was like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I failed this so many times. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? And it was only because I got that that I passed it. And when I passed it... I got almost 100%. The guy said he felt like he couldn't give me 100%. He wanted to mark me down for something. So he marked me down one point for being cheeky. (laughs) (laughs) Why am I not surprised? (laughs) Because he wanted to do that thing where he said, you know, you have to turn the car around. Which is like a three-point turn. That's what he's asking you to practice. But I saw like just, you know, a few meters down the road, there was a roundabout. So, I just went around the roundabout. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not what I meant. And so, so, yeah. But other than that, like I aced it. Um, but I had to psych myself down for that. I want to tell you a really cool good news story. You know, what, you know what happened to me when I went for my driving test? <laughs> what? I got done for speeding. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even have your license no, yet. Driving, <laughs> gone through this um, zone, and the guy was like, "Yeah, you know what the speed limit was back there." I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, sixty. <laughs> like, no, nice. that was actually a twenty zone. <laughs> oh, Lyle, that's terrible. Oh, you're so naughty. Kingston Beach. Oh, Kingston Beach. Was this is uh, like out in the country? No, not really. It's well, wait. Nice. Whoa, 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 wait. Did you speed and still get your license at the end of that? No. Oh, okay. Oh, so you did fail one time. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, fi- <laughs> you, you try speeding during your driving exam, say, you are going say. to fail. <laughs> I was going to say, if you pass that test, I'm so like doing my licenses in Tasmania from now on. <laughs> I can tell a great story from Tasmania. Oh, yeah? Um, but this was from a generation or two, a generation before mine. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, my mate had a paddock basher. Yeah. Uh, he's probably 10 years older than me. He had a paddock basher. And uh, so, he'd spray canned his name on the outside. As and now, do. this particular paddock basher had no brakes. It was, yeah. a, it was a mini. Minis were legendary for not having brakes. Yeah. And so, he'd also spray canned on the outside his name and a big sign that said, no brakes. <laughs> It's a nice way so everyone. He's, <laughs> he's driving this there around Jeefston, right? Yeah. You know where you, your parents were in Jeefston yeah, there yeah. for a while. But he lives in, his his father had a mechanic shop there, so he had it down in Jeefston. He's driving uh-huh. around Jeefston, around the streets of Jeefston. But he's from Glen Hillen, which is like, oh, uh, back yeah. then it was like mm-hmm. 40 minutes away. Yeah, yeah. And so the coppers pull him over and like, oh, where are you from? He's like, oh, from Glen Hillen. He's like, well, you, you know, he's like 15 or something or other. <laughs> So anyway, the long and the short is they escorted him all the way home. 
So he got to have a much longer drive than yeah, what he was yeah, planning on imagine. having. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Anyway, this is back in the days when you went to the cop shop to get your license. So he goes to the cop shop um, a year or so later mm. and the cop looks at him close. He's like, I know you. You're so-and-so who did such and such. And he's thinking, yeah, okay, I'm done. He's like, oh, he says, you know how to drive. Just writes him out a full license and hand it to him. <laughs> Serious? He's like, you're an expert. You can drive with no brakes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> this is back in the day. Oh, this that's was, great. This was back in the day when, and and, and every child mm-hmm. should have a paddock basher and yeah, learn true. to drive at about the age of twelve. Yeah, I agree. Somewhere between eight and twelve in a paddock basher, and it will do just an infinite amount of good for road safety. Oh, absolutely. Take them off the video games and actually stick them in a real car. That's what yep. I think. Yeah, yep. yeah, yep. I agree. Um, <laughs> I was talking to, I've talked to a number of uh, drive instructors and uh, one of them, and I, I don't know why we're sidetracked on this this morning, but I'm, I'm actually passionate about this. But um, they, when they take on new students, they'll ask, are you a gamer or a sports person? You know, if, oh. if they play sports like yeah. football or so-and-so, yeah, yeah. it's like they put them straight in the manual. Okay. If they're a gamer... Forget it. You're starting on an auto. <gasps> really? Yep. Wow. That speaks volumes. It speaks massive amounts yeah. of volumes. Uh-huh. Exactly. That's um. That's not good. That's not yeah. good at all. But yeah, if so, only getting a license these days was as easy as it was back then, I tell you what, save a lot of money. Lyle, this hasn't been all for nothing. I do want to tell a really cool good news story about um, kids who freeze up when they're doing exams. So apparently this is a real thing. And just the same way that I failed my uh, driving test four times, even though I am an excellent driver, the same way kids might know all the material, but they freeze up and they freak out at the exam and then they get a lower score. And so they're finding that some of the students that are failing are actually competent people. Um, And so they've actually, this is, I would never have thought this would help, but they've, um, they've developed a way to combat this and say, do a... It's not like, not really a pre-exam, but they do like this exercise uh, like a day or two before the exam. Um, kind of, they're kind of calling it an expressive writing intervention. And basically, they have to spend ten minutes writing about and like sort of exploring their feelings about the test that's coming up. So they'll like you know record you know what they're what they uh, what they're doing. Well, their bodies are doing like I'm sweating. I'm you know I'm nervous. I have butterflies. I feel nauseous. And they write about how they're feeling. And then afterwards, the students are then given something called a, a reappraisal, uh, which is supposed to instead turn their anxiety into excitement. And so they have to read this material, which basically explains um, the psych the psychological arousal, which is you know the fast heartbeat and the sweaty palms. And it basically explains to them scientifically that this is all normal and this nothing to be scared of. Like this is their body's way of preparing preparing for an important task and uh, and they can actually harness this energy for um for success and so it actually teaches them you know not to freak out it's perfectly normal don't stress you know it's it's going to be a fine this is just a normal thing to happen and it's just having the most remarkable results is that so who would have thought just tell That's fantastic. Like, this is such a yeah. real thing i know some people that have this oh like, yeah in a, in, a level that is crippling absolutely yeah. mm-hmm. crippling and uh, and and just brilliant people, yeah. But, but um, when it comes that, to this is awesome. yeah, it's such a simple way. It's like it's not expensive. It's not really time consuming. It just takes ten minutes. They just write about it. Then they're given the reappraisal and some education about it. Then they go into the exam and they kill it. And they get they're on average twenty percent higher. So they're like scoring like fifty percent. They're now getting like seventy percent. Or if they're giving like seventy percent, they're now getting like ninety percent results. So it's an amazing, incredible markup. I'm yeah, I'm really happy about this. This is good news. I wish they had done this for me when I had to sit for my license exam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you might have passed on the first one. Yeah, I might have passed on the first one. Anyway, this is All Sons and Daughters with a wonderful song called Wake Up, and we sure hope you've woken up this morning.
Welcome back. You were listening to uh, All Sons and Daughters with Wake Up here on Faith FM. Got another clue for our quiz there, Mon? Yes, I do. <clears throat> no one has called up yet to uh, tell me what the answer to this one is or how many times the word grace is in this book, but it's a what book of my quiz, and I now have a quote from this book. Uh, let me just get my Instagram working here. Okay, quote. But they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but be afraid. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Where is that found? Which book of the Bible? If you know the answer, you know our number, 1-800-324-843. Call us up, and there is a prize coming your way. Well, Mon, in, uh, the, on the subject of pornography... Yes. We're going to talk about that again this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been the area where religion has probably been the first to stand up and make a statement against pornography. Good. Not like anything like as strong as what they probably should. Yeah. Um, and also researchers. So re- there's, there is a, uh, a mountain of research out there demonstrating the dangers of pornography. The thing that has been fascinating to me is how silent Everybody else has been in a pornography. So the Me Too movement is silent on pornography. Hollywood is silent on pornography. Mainstream media is silent on pornography. Educational education is silent on pornography. The government is silent on pornography. And even though religion stands up against it, basically churches are as well. Feminists are silent on pornography. Why is it that everybody's silent on this? The health sector is not saying anything either. And when you think about the world in which we live right now, where you, you know, in, in several states in Australia, you are not even assigned a gender when you are born. You can choose any gender you want with just the stroke of a pen um, out of 76 odd genders, I think, that there are and counting right now. There is an attitude in our world of if it feels good, just do it because it must be good because it feels good. Mm. And, of course, everybody's just saying, well, that's, that's my business. Stay out of my business and you try and stay the slightest thing against it. You're going to be in um, all kinds of um, trouble. And so basically anything to do, sexuality in Australia is just free reign. Do anything. In fact, the only orientation that is uh, still illegal in Australia is pedophilia and Thank God that it is. Wait, what about bestiality? Is that not illegal? It's a very grey area, but oh, not really. Gross. It's uh, certainly legal in most countries, most Western countries oh, in the world revolting. these days. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, this is this is uh, this is the world in which we live. Now that's creating a major problem. And schools have recently started bringing in specialist speakers to deal with this because teachers are having to deal with the uh, the results of pornography. Um, they're bringing in cyber safety experts. Um, you know, some of these people are you know former police officers and so forth. Um, and this is due to the increasing number of children who are sustaining serious injuries as a result of watching hardcore pornography and then trying to replicate it. Mm-hmm. Now, the fascinating thing is, Mon, and you're going to be happy to hear this, is that this research is coming off a major investigative journalism piece on ABC News. Oh, really? Yeah. Who would have thought? As wow. Long, as far left as yeah. these guys are. Um, but... 
you know, we've been talking about this on Faith FM for years now, but... Um, it blows my mind that these kids have access to this stuff. Like, if you're a parent and you have a kid and you let your kid look at any screen anywhere, you need to get some sort of software in, some sort of security stuff that blocks yeah, this work. kind of stuff. How can they still get it doesn't hold? work. They, they need to you, you do Basically, it gives, it's, it's like this. If you are a parent and you give your co- child... A, uh, screen. a screen, you have given them unlimited access to the worst kinds of pornography that exist. It's as simple as that. I mean, because you guys the, had the, a rule that no screens were allowed in the bedroom, right? No screens anywhere but in the living room. Yeah. So, parents need to up the ante. Like, how, it yeah. boggles my mind that these little kids are getting Children have it. rights. Yeah. And fundamental to those rights is to be protected by their parents. That's the first right that every child has. And so we need to we need to stand up for children's rights and protect our children and say, Okay, you got screens, they're here. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to take a, if you want to have a phone, a smart you know, if you want to have a phone, have a phone, dumb phone. You can call me with a dumb phone. Yeah. You don't need a smartphone to make a phone call. Yeah, that's right. You can still buy those old, you know mm-hmm. Nokia's. Nokia's for thirty dollars or whatever, and they make they are fine for staying in contact with. Or just get a smartphone that doesn't have any um, data on it. Because that way they can like, play the games on the, on the big screen. There's a thing called Wi-Fi. Yeah, you just have it like not connected. Yeah. And, and, and kids are going to find their way around that. Yeah. You know, kids are yeah. smart. Um, and so, yeah, the, one of the things that they're looking at is, you know, the increasing level of violence um, in pornography. And the unrealistic expectations that is creating. So, for for your generation and my generation, Mon, we grew up in an area where you know sex education came from our parents and from our school, and we were educated in normal sexual practices. Mm-hmm. Sex education for our children these days, you know, begins at about the age of eight, um, and they are being educated in the most abnormal practices that they then assume is normal because yeah. nobody's telling them otherwise. otherwise yeah. And because, you know, the, the, the internet is, uh, um, you know, just soaked with this stuff. And so what it's, what it's done is led to violent expectations and the normalization of violence in sexuality. And so you've got, you know, consensual sex where children are being seriously injured. This is not rape. It is not date rape. It is not power rape. It is not any other kind of rape. It's kids seeing it on uh, the screen and going, ah, yeah, you know, let's, Let's try this. Mm-hmm. This looks good. They look like they're enjoying it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they try it and end up, um, you know, hospitalized, yeah. um, charges being laid uh, because, you know, it just gets completely out of control. Or they might get halfway through and it's like one of them is like, yeah, no, this is not fun. Mm-hmm. But the other person, you know, just keeps going. And then, of course, somebody yeah. ends up in jail. Yeah. Um, you know, and none of this, none of this practice is is normal. None of it is appropriate. None of it is fun, and yet it is uh, becoming increasingly um, prevalent. RMIT senior lecturer Megan Tyler, she's a researcher, and she says that ha- there has been a conscious effort to increase violence, and that what back in the nineteen nineties was right out on the edge, as you know, really pushing the boundaries, is today. Average pornography. Oh, it's repulsive. Yeah, every time we talk about this, I just can't help thinking, I just cannot wait till Jesus comes back. Yeah, this world is not a world that oh. I really want to be a part of. It's not something that I just, you know, I just don't, I just don't connect to it anymore. Yeah. You know, and, and, and what's happening is that increasing number of girls, you know, under the age of 16, uh, using a colostomy bag and will do so for the rest of their life because they have been destroyed by, you know, oh. anal sex. Oh, that's revolting. 
I didn't even I didn't know that. That's disgusting. Um, and so tragic. So tragic. And then you got Pornhub, thirty-three point five billion visits in two thousand and eighteen. Thirty-three point five billion. Billion. I'm guessing that YouTube doesn't come close to that, right? I uh, would have not got the faintest idea, but Australia is ranked in the world ninth. Ninth? Yes. And we have a tiny population. Yeah, we, we do. Um, you know, the, the US, the UK, India, of course, uh, some of the countries that are ahead of us, but we have a small population. So we have a major, major problem here. 88% of pornography that is available now online contains physical aggression. You know, things like choking, double anal, triple anal, all uh, this kind of stuff. Yeah. 88%. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, this is, uh, yeah. Some, some it's, it's, I'm just so grossed out right now. I don't even know where to begin with yeah. um, this article. I'm going to put it up on our social media because every parent out there needs to be reading Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And, um, you know. Um, and, and, and here's the thing in Australia, our, our online porn, our digital porn is regulated by analog laws, mm-hmm. which means that it is unregulated. Great. Because none of those laws, you know, are relevant. Do you you think know, people, gov- people don't go and buy a DVD anymore. Who would yeah, go and buy no. a DVD or a magazine? You know, you don't even see those <laughs> things for sale anymore. And it is the nice thing, I guess, is you walk into a servo these days and you and aren't there's confronted. No, yeah, yeah, there's, there's no, one there's good thing about it. None of it just it. sort of... Uh, but uh, you know, for, for 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 people who are offended by it, it's nice to be able to go shopping without being bombarded with Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But it uh, it it's not because it's 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 purely commercial. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no market for it because it's all online. And what it is is it's is it's destroying relationships amongst young people because. Um, they they, uh, they they no longer nah they no longer know how to how to uh, relate to other people anymore. Yeah, it's it's tragic, and, and and parents need to be stepping up their game to protect their kids in this field, and our government as well, I think.
Guys, that was Ben and Noel with I Am Yours here on Faith FM. Mon, give us another clue for our quiz. Nobody snapped this one up yet. Yes, it is pretty hard, but it is getting easier. Okay, so what book am I? 
Terms such as glorified, justified, redemption, sanctified, called, predestined, and atonement are all found in this book. Mm, what book might that be? It sounds like a theological book. It does, written by a bit of a brainy guy. You know the answer. one 800 is the number to call. Now, I have uh, Bev Crogdale on the phone this morning. Bev, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you, Lyle. Now, Bev, before I really want to get to talk about what you are doing for God right now um, and the medical um, or health evangelism, I guess, that you are involved with. And we, we had Candice Bergen on the show yesterday. She was talking about health evangelism. So uh, we're going to run with a bit of a theme this week. But before we get there, Bev, I wonder whether you could just share, us, share with us a little bit of your story. How did you come to God and how did you come to give your life to God? Yeah, sure. Uh, look, I, I'll sort of go back uh, with a bit of background. My mother was brought up Plymouth Brethren and my father wasn't really brought up with anything and called himself an agnostic. Um, and so I was sent to a Church of England girls' school. So, of course, I came across, you know, I came in contact with Christianity as such. But I really didn't, wasn't attracted to it. Um, I, I went through school and I went through university and I, and I did a science based degree. Um, but, and I never ever accepted evolution, but, and, and always believed that God existed, but I certainly didn't have a personal relationship with him. And then, um, after I graduated, uh, I worked and saved enough money and became a hippie. And I travelled with a girlfriend across the world. What Back in those days, in 1970, 71, around that era, um, it was called the Dusty Trail to Europe. And um, a lot of young people were travelling both ways. Uh, it was an, an amazing adventure. You know, we slept on railway stations, we slept on beaches. The very first place leaving Australia, we slept on the beach in Timor. And so it was the cheapest, cheapest way of travelling everywhere. And um, then when I, and th during that time it was interesting because I was very interested in talking to people who were Buddhists and Hindus and Sufis and e every kind of religion. And Christianity was sort of at, basically at the bottom of the barrel because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. And to me, that was the most intolerant religion on earth. And so, of course, I didn't want anything to do with that. Um, and so this is, this was my mindset. And when I returned home, I married, I began having children, and I looked at this, these babies and thought, my goodness, what an enormous responsibility to raise a human being to be physically, emotionally, mentally and spiritually balanced and become a good citizen of the world. I mean, what a task. Mm -hmm. I'd learnt um, trigonometry, like a lot of us, trigonometry, algebra, chemistry, physics, and passed all these exams, but I had never learnt to be a parent. And I thought, how appalling is that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and oh. what an adventure. You think travelling to Europe via the dusty trail was an adventure? Having children is certainly an adventure, isn't it? 
I, I can't hear you. Sorry. Yeah. I say traveling. To, I say uh, um, having children is a much greater adventure than uh, than than traveling to Europe, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, and challenge. My goodness, it's much, much more. So anyway, everything was not too bad in that the physical side I could um, explore how to feed these babies. And in doing that, we didn't have internet or any of those kind of things, of course, and I had to read books and I found that the Hunzas in the Himalayas were the healthiest people in the world and uh, they were vegetarian. So I immediately thought, oh, well, that's we've got to become vegetarian. And emotionally and mentally, I did every course, uh, how to be a better parent, um, uh, oh, I can't remember, but I did all these little courses to try to be a better parent so that, you know, I could discipline the children correctly and all of those kinds of things. Mm. But the spiritual was a real challenge because how, what did I do about that? I, I didn't want to go to a church. That was the last place I wanted to go. Um, anyway, a series of, in, of events occurred where one day I was watching television and the Nostradamus prophecies came on and I was very interested. And in the ads, uh, there was a man who came on saying, if you want to know more about this, come to the Civic Theatre at 7.30 on Friday night and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. He was obviously holding a meeting. So I went along thinking I was going to learn more about the Nostradamus prophecies. And to my, um, in fact, I wasn't pleased at all. He was talking about prophecies of the Bible, the books of Daniel and Revelation. And I thought, well, he obviously doesn't know anything that he's talking about because nobody understands the book of Revelation. And this was my arrogance, mind you. Um, and he, um, he was setting up a seminar. And we had to put our names down to go to this seminar. And I thought, well, what a waste of time is, is that? Because he, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But I'll just go to one and, and just see what he says. So uh, the following week, I went to this seminar and it was on the book of Daniel. That's where he started. And he did Daniel 1 and 2. And when I heard that prophecy of Daniel 2, I was... I just could not believe it. And I was so amazed. And so, of course, I just thought, I'll just go to one more. And this happened <laughs> each week, thinking I'll just go to one more. And during the week, I used to think up questions that he would not be able to answer. Um, I was sure he wouldn't be able to have the answer. And this wonderful man... He constantly answered my questions from the scriptures. He didn't answer them himself. He used to say to me, I think we will find that in Isaiah chapter 45 or such, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever the reference was. And he would read it to me. Well, I was vastly impressed by that <laughs> and um, by his knowledge and, and, of course, by the fact that he, you know, read, he opened the scriptures to me. So this is slowly, slowly kicking and all and resistance all of the way. And I'm talking over a period of at least two years. Finally, um, God wore me down and I submitted 
and oh, what an absolute joy. <laughs> I've never been so glad to submit to something in all my life. That's fantastic story. <laughs> Thank you, Bev Saint. And, and yeah, you were, um, I admire somebody who doesn't just take somebody's word for it, but you obviously investigated this in depth over a period of time. So well done. I always love a good hard yeah. nut to crack. Yeah. Now, Bev, uh, let's, let, let's jump forward a whole bunch of years. Um, and come up to the present. You're involved in um, in health evangelism. What exactly is it that you are running at the moment? Um, well, um, I um, uh, we have a not for profit organisation called the Medical Missionary Training Institute. Um, it is an incorporated association. Um, it's also a registered training organization and we have deductible gift recipient status, like all the T's are crossed and all the I's dotted. And in being a registered training organization, we are, um, allowed to deliver um, accredited, what is called accredited training, so that people who train um, have a, a recognised qualification. So um, I did that for a number of years and then uh, a person spoke to me and said, look, what really is needed is a, a qualification that we didn't think at the time and and still now it seems to be the same that there was no qualification anywhere in the world um a, tr a registered one training people to set up and manage residential health centers which in the old days used to be called sanitariums um and of course there's an absolutely desperate need for these places um, I knew that because of the fact that I'd been delivering public programs for like about 30 years and people loved the knowledge and the information And but when they uh, went home there was a huge gulf between knowing and applying mm. and they struggled to apply it but when they come into a residential situation where they stay for a week or two weeks or whatever time they need um, they very quickly experience that their uh, blood pressure goes down their cholesterol goes down their sugars start to stabilize the body is so fearfully and wonderfully made that it responds very very quickly when we obey the laws of physiology the laws of its own laws of operation and when they they experience that they're highly motivated to continue um, in that lifestyle change and of course they get support in in uh, when they make that kind of decision so um, it became very obvious that we need these places outside of every large population center all over the world and many of them so the the beginning obviously was to train people in this field now fortunately god had inspired me that when my children left home I converted our family home to one of these residential health centers and operated it for six years so I really knew what training was needed every facet so there needs to be administrative training like in other words people need money management um, they, they need to manage the business uh, because it doesn't glorify God for us to 
not manage the financial side and the administrative side of the business really well. So that's one component. Well, that's a component. And then, of course, there is the... Um, uh, the health part itself, like the hydrotherapy and counselling, for example, is an extremely important area because when people come into a residential situation and begin to trust the staff that are there, they begin to share their concerns, their worries, their anxieties, their burdens, and we need to be uh, equipped with knowledge and skills to support them in that. That's an extremely important part. Um, so anyway, all of these subjects had to be devised um, to put together and put into a course. Okay, so you put this, yeah, so you've put this course together and it is a fully accredited uh, diploma level course, I understand? Yes, it's a diploma level. Yes. That's fantastic. Well, if you'd like to know more information about that, uh, give us a call here at uh, Faith FM and we can get you in touch with uh, with Bev uh, Crogdale, who is running this program. But Bev, just very quickly in the uh, in the last couple of minutes that we've got right here, um, do you have stories that you can share of you know how God has worked in people's lives to heal them both physically and spiritually? Oh, definitely, uh, Lyle. When people come into the health program, we honestly see miracles. You know, we think that in Bible times, um, Jesus spoke and it was done. You know, the, he, he cured people of blindness and lameness and leprosy and all of those wonderful miracles. And we think that we, we may not, we may think that we don't see things like so dramatically nowadays. But in the health centre, we, we really do. We see um, it can't possibly be described as anything less than a miracle in that people change, and they change so quickly. Um, it's like as if, you know, a light bulb um, goes on. And there was one man, for example, came into the health centre and he put his, as he came in the door when he first arrived, he sort of put his fist in the air and he said, I'm an agnostic. And with... Without even thinking, in a split second, I said, oh, we love agnostics. And, uh, you know, we kind of had a little laugh about that. And then we proceeded, that gentleman had cancer, and we proceeded to um, show, teach him what he can do to strengthen his immune system to fight the ill health that he had. And in the process, of course, we get very close to people and we talk to them a lot and he started to share his stories. Well, by this was, by you know, on the Sunday, by the Thursday, um, I said to him, would you like to say grace? And he said, I wouldn't even know what to say. And I said, well, you just simply thank uh, the best friend we could possibly have um, for his love of us and for, for providing this food. And he and I said, we don't need to shut our eyes. I had some staff, some volunteers there. And he said, yeah, I think we should shut our eyes. And he said the most beautiful grace that we said to each other afterwards, that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, that the, these kinds of things that we see where people come with a mindset and end up absolutely 180-degree turn when they leave, and that, to me, is a miracle. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. Bev, thank you so much for sharing with us. We are out of time. We do have to move on. But once again, if you'd like to be a part of Bev's program, give us a call here. 1-800-324-843 is our number. We're in. We can make those connections for you. Right now, we have Melissa Otto with Awake. Awake, awake, oh captive daughter, put on your garments of splendor. Free yourself from the chains around your neck. Shake off your dust, clothe yourself in strength. Arise, arise, O glorious sun. And walk no more in the shadow. The Lord, your maker, has called you by name. Lift up your head, clothe yourself in strength. Do you enjoy fantastic food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is, and it starts 10 a.m. every Thursday. Great. I'll see you there. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Hey, Mon, mm-hmm. do you believe in miracles? Look, if God can change my life, I think I definitely believe in miracles. Okay, so the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh, yeah, how? Well, it's worshipping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible studies start at 10 a.m., service at 11 a.m., and guess what that's followed by? Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. (laughs) Well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile. Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. 